Welcome to the Women in Technology podcast. My name is Sly Gittins, and this series is aimed at amplifying the stupendous, the amazing women that's inside of the technology field. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this podcast. Today, I'm continuing the Women in Tech series. I have with me Angel Grant. She's fantastic. She was my manager at one time. And she's just overall dynamic lady. And you're going, to, you're going to love her story. So, Angel, will you please tell my audience a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Slime. We're really looking forward to chatting with you today. Um, I'll tell you about my story. Where to start? Um, my career path has not been a path. It's, it has been a meandering journey. Um, I never really had a set North Star when I started. Um, and when... Throughout my career, my North Star has changed, um, which is okay. And I think that's the first important thing that people should realize. But I actually you know, worked through college um, to help pay for college. I worked for a, a financial institution in their mortgage department and their mortgage origination team. So when I graduated from school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I had to go to school. And when I got out of school, I actually went to work for a bank in their mortgage department. I ended up managing um, the inside sales and service team there. And I had a very unique opportunity while I was there too, where the bank was actually introducing their very first website. Yes, that's like way back when. And um, my manager actually knew that at night I was taking some coding classes, web design classes, and I started dabbling creating websites for different companies because most companies just didn't have websites then. And so she actually injected me into a project that um, focused on the mortgage department's new webpage within the, the, the master uh, online or online banking um, page that the, the bank was trying to create. And I remember going to that meeting. I actually designed a mortgage app, online mortgage application page. I coded it all up with the business logic because that's what my team did. We did the pre-qualifications for mortgages. Um, and I figured it would optimize that process when somebody wanted to apply for a loan. So I went into this meeting, mind you, I was early stage, just out of college, and I went into this meeting and I showed the team what I what I thought would be the best thing for the mortgage page on the bank's website. And I pretty much was told I was a young, ignorant fool who had no idea and nobody was ever gonna apply for mortgages online. They didn't say those exact words, but that's what I heard. And so I left that meeting, I was so deflated. I was so deflated. I was kind of like, oh, you know, put a lot of time into this. I, I, you know, this would have been really cool. And I happened to have a conversation with a recruiter I was actually using to hire people on my team at that time. He knew me well and he, he could tell something was off in my conversation. I was like, yeah, I just came out of this meeting. And, and he's like, oh, that's too bad. You know, so fast forward a couple of months, he calls me and he's like, hey, there's this startup online banking company here that's looking for a product manager. And I was like, oh, sure, I'll, I'll go and talk with the person. And I ended up move, moving from working at, at a bank over to working for a startup company that helped design one of the industry's first online payments applications for corporate cash management. And it was really interesting. That period of my time too was very fascinating because I, I learned a lot about product management. I learned a lot about different types of technologies, but I also learned a lot about the payments ecosystem. And when we went to different banks to tell them about our new cool online banking applications, again, we heard, or I've heard, um, nobody's gonna bank online. Uh, tell, us, tell us about your DOS product or your Windows product. And so it was an interesting journey 
seeing that evolve over time. And clearly this online banking thing took off, right? But with that, so did online fraud and crime. Um, and so one of the things that we started to do was work with various cybersecurity vendors. And RSA was actually one of the vendors that we had integrated into our online banking application, online payment application. So oh, fast forward, I end up talking with RSA and I started having a really interesting conversation about moving to work there. Um, the person I was talking with, my hiring manager was Chris Young, who at that time I was kind of like, why would I want to work for a cybersecurity vendor? What is that? Like, I've never imagined that as a career path. All I, when I heard cybersecurity, all I envisioned was this guy in the corner with a dark hoodie on saying it's the year of the PKI. And like, that, that's what I envisioned cybersecurity was. And uh, Chris Young um, really enlightened me. Actually, Chris is over at uh, Microsoft, as you know. Um, so he really enlightened me. Um, and when he said, Angel, you know, the cybersecurity industry have a lot of people who are deep, deep technical knowledge, crypto guys. What we really need in this industry is people who can think differently and people who actually understand the business problems we're trying to solve. So I've actually always used that as my North Star when I look at, you know, where do I add the most value in a conversation? It's not necessarily my technical acumen. And I can, you know, I can go deep as if, if needed, but it's really about what are the problems we're trying to solve. So I kept that in mind as I continued my journey. And from there, I've represented RSA on a variety of different industry initiatives, such as on the FSI SEC or the PCI Council. So I, I should give the decoder rings on that. So FSI SEC is the financial service uh, intelligence sharing um, and PCI is the payment card industry. And then also I was uh, on the NACHA, which is the National ACH Association um, Secure Payments uh, Board. And I did participate within the Federal Reserve Bank Secure Payments Task Force. And again, my mission in being involved in those initiatives was around engaging with industry stakeholders to help secure our ecosystem and apply what and understand what are the business problems we're trying to solve and then look for ways to apply the technology to those problems to actually solve them. So this actually, this past year, I moved from RSA and I took on a really fun new job over at F5 Security. Um, and the reason I chose to actually make that move was I had a really interesting conversation with uh, some folks over at F5 and I was really fascinated with their mission to completely transform the company and double down on their security focus and really double down on their mission to deliver secure and frictionless digital experiences. So one of the things that I also was really interested in is the fact that as an organization, they just recently created a new security business unit. They've gone through three acquisitions. Actually, we just closed our fourth one this week of a threat stack here in Boston. So that's pretty exciting. And so being part of that, something fun and helping pull that all together, something really fun to help um, the, that company move forward with that mission. So I've had a, an interesting journey where it, uh, each one of those things and conversations over the course of my career have taken me to where I am today. But at the end of the day, I keep on going back to where I add the most value in the conversation is applying my business knowledge to actually solving the cybersecurity problems that organizations are suffering today. Well said. That was uh, that was that was brilliant. You know, so I do got some gems for the audience. So one thing that stuck out to me when you was talking, you mentioned about being deflated 
And then having that, you know, that internal, you know, when you're talking to yourself, like, you know, are they right? Are they not right? You know, how did you continue to trust yourself? Well, you know, I, I, I'm a very um, trusting individual in general, but I do understand um, sometimes I'm wrong and sometimes I'm right. And in that situation, there were things I was very right on and there were things I was very wrong on. And, you know, so that's actually some, something for um, individuals who are early stage in their career to think about. When you're entering an organization, do not be afraid to introduce new ideas and perspectives and approaches to things because oftentimes those are things that haven't been thought of by people who have been in that industry and space for a long time. You're bringing in a fresh perspective. However, the one thing that I didn't fully take into consideration was the, the people in that room who, do under, who did understand the industry and where the current state was for adoption of different components of engaging with a bank online was that it was going to take a while to adopt that. There were a lot of things to think about from a security perspective. So from that regard, as you know, someone coming out early stage, I need to respect the fact that even though I have great vision ideas, there are things I can learn from that too in that process where I, I learned that, you know, anytime you roll out a product, if it's early stage technology, there is, you know, the, the hype cycle of people adopting different technologies at different points. And the people at that meeting weren't necessarily calling me a young, ignorant fool, yeah. uh, you know, but, but that's what I heard in my head at that time because I was like, oh, I thought I knew everything. But what they were really trying to say is, hey, if you look at the hype cycle, we're not quite there. Let's start with the basics. So what we end up doing was just putting like the the phone number to call into my uh, call center team that was to do a pre-qualification for a mortgage versus actually putting the pre-qual form on there. That came much further down the road. But as a company, they just weren't ready for that from understanding the technology, understanding the security and understanding the business operation models that went with that. Okay. So- yeah, so that for me, you know, I walked away there deflated, but then I realized when I reflected back on that was like, yeah, I was right. But this could have been really great, but just not then. This wasn't the right time. So it was a good yeah. idea. Just it wasn't the right time. And the maturity of the business wasn't there yet. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah. that makes that makes sense. So that's that's yeah. another eye opening too, knowing when is the right time. Do you have the right team to execute on it? Yeah. And then, um, you know, you might not be able to do everything. Maybe you can break it out in phases, you know, so that, yeah. that was great. One other thing you talked about is, is where I find a lot of young people, not young, sometimes even seasoned in their career, even myself. Um, I like to relish, I relish in the tech, right? I enjoy learning about the tech, um, but I'm realizing, you know, similar to me, like um, it's understanding the business and where, how the tech improves that business. So how was it for you to make that transition and pivot and accept one of your superpowers was um, using that decoder ring, you know, yeah. understanding that, you know, technology is solving a business problem and being able to articulate that for your internal peers and your clients. So was that a hard transition for you? Was it, it natural? It was and, more natural for me. Okay. Yeah. It's one of those things where I come, being a product manager, you know, you, you can, you can kind of get it. You, you tend to get a good read on, um, the really cool features that are useless features, except for internally, people think they look really sexy, but in real practicality, your customers aren't going to ever use them. And they might be really, you know, there might be a 1% rule where 1% of your customer base might use them. But by adding those, you sacrifice the, the, the core functionality that is going to be used in 
that help you sell more product. And so it's kind of going through that sniff test as the different um, features evolve to say, okay, that's, that is really cool. That's a really cool report or that's a really cool widget you've created. Okay, what problem are we trying to solve? How, are they, how often are they gonna use it? And is this something that's really gonna help us differentiate ourselves in the marketplace? And so that's you know, you know, an ongoing conversation. But also I, understanding the market dynamics is very, very important in the technology space um, and, and in an IT career, and particularly in the cybersecurity space where I am at, is really understanding uh, what are the threats that are emerging, what's the technology that's emerging that the cyber criminals can manipulate to cause new, new and different threats. Um, cyber criminals use disruption to make disruptions. So what kind of disruptions are going on in this moment? You know, kind of like when COVID hit, you know, they, they totally capitalized on that disruption to cause disruption and kind of keeping an eye on that, stay ahead of that. Um, that's an ongoing thing and that's an ongoing learning journey. All right, that was great. So uh, with technology continuing to change, that's forcing us to learn in ways that we never imagined that we'd be wor- I mean, learning. So, you know, I, did, I coined a phrase, always be learning. Um, I took that from always be cloning from Glenn, Larry, Glenn Ross movie. Um, Cause it's the age of learning. Um, how do you continue to embrace that? And what does always be learning mean, mean to you? Yeah, I'm a forever student too. So that's actually stemmed from my parents. Um, growing up, my parents were really strong advocates of experimental learning. Um, they always believed, especially um, I'm one of six kids. So they, they looked for learning opportunities for all of us based on our di- the different ways we learn. And a lot, a lot of times you see that people learn by doing, and that was the way I learned best. Um, so my parents always looked for ways to give me that applied learning, give me that experimental learning so that I can uh, apply, I, I take, not, not necessarily taking what I had in class and memorizing formulas in a book, but actually hands-on applying that to real life situations so I understood it. So for example, my parents would send me to summer camp programs that um, a local tech vocational school right down the street from us. And so I would take auto mechanics classes, electronics, woodworking, plumbing, cooking, welding, you know, like name, name it. And there was some kind of class that I would take at this um, vocational tech school. And what I took away from that and learned from that is not only how to like change a tire, but also, you know, you learn physics, you learn, uh, you, you can apply different math, you learn chemistry. You, so learning different skills, but also really understanding what you're learning in the class to apply that to real life situations. And I think that's somewhere that educate our educational systems kind of failing is that that applied learning is you sit there and memorize formulas to take a standardized test versus actually doing that. Like, how does that, what, what's the real purpose of this? And how are you going to use that in your real life? Yeah. Um, another example of that is um, my, my family was a strong advocate of getting um, global experience and experiencing different cultures. Um, you know, I grew up in suburban Massachusetts in a, a very non-diverse town. Um, so they were looking for opportunities for me to understand there's a much bigger world out there. So in high school, I, I did have a, a great opportunity to study in Ireland at Gormanston College in Bahold. I, I, enjoy, I went to Germany on a, an exchange program. I lived with a family in Bahold and in Berlin. And those experiences, for example, in Bahult, the family I lived with, um, they required me to speak German at the dinner table. So I learned more German during my dinner conversations than I did 
sitting in class memorizing. And then when the family I lived with in Berlin, it, it was really, really humbling because when I stayed there, uh, Berlin still was in the sector. So I lived in the French sector in Berlin. The Berlin wall was still up. So I actually walked over, I could spray paint my name on one side of the wall. And then, you know, mind you, I'm a high school kid. I look over and I see guards with machine guns on the other side of the wall. Um, as an American citizen, I was able to go to the other side of the wall. And I asked my, the family I was living with if they wanted me to bring something to the family that they had on the other side of the wall, that they hadn't seen in years. And they were like, absolutely not, because they were afraid of my safety if I did that. Again, humbling experience for a suburban Massachusetts girl. Um, but my, my, my family always embraced international cultures. We, my, we joke around, even though there were six kids in my family, my house was like a youth hostel. At any point, we had um, students staying with us from France, Germany, Ireland, India, Spain. Um, so, you know, I continued that on in my um, college years where I was, I studied at Bentley University. I was actually um, engaged with one of the, as one of the first people in this program they launched called the Partnership for Service Learning. And again, it wasn't just studying abroad. It was, I wanted to actually get into the culture and be and do stuff there to learn. So I, I had a, a great opportunity. I studied at Oxford, but while I was there, I worked for the Oxford City Council. And again, the experience there, I had the, I learned about the townie versus Gowney dilemma that you see in many of the college cities throughout the, throughout the world and the socioeconomic struggles that come with that. In one side, you had all these very wealthy students studying there. The other side, there was a lot of homeless. And you see that in a lot of different, a lot of different places. So yeah, I think, you know, for me, learning, always learning. Um, tech, the, when I started my career, you know, like, you know, we've always talked about this. It's like the jobs that exist now didn't exist then. The technology didn't exist. You know, in college, I, I did tutor uh, for CIS. Um, but I've never had an interest in that career path. But what I tutored is irrelevant right now. Like that, it was completely you know, like, there's no need for what I, I used to tutor for because that nobody uses that technology. So you always have to continue to learn. Um, you always need to continue to push yourself uh, and try new and different things. So that's, you know, that's where I consider myself, you know, always learning, I focus on applied learning, focus on experimental learning. That's a mic drop right there. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I make sure to use those in, uh, in the hashtags. And um, I can agree. Like my family's from Barbados. I grew up in Brooklyn. Where I grew up is very multicultural. So I didn't have the not luxury of not interacting with people. Like some of my friends were from Bangladesh, you know, Pakistan, yeah. um, different parts of the Caribbean, you know. So um, it was, you know, it was cool to see that, you know, and then my family, you know, my mom and dad didn't have the luxuries of going to school from Barbados. So they always used to tell me like, you need to take advantage of this opportunity, yeah. you know? So my, I saw my older brother always learning and always telling me, man, like you can go to that next level, even to this day. But yeah, you think you achieved a lot, but you got more to unlock, right? You got more That's to right. achieve. Um, and, you know, so I do various things to keep me learning and growing and being uncomfortable. Like even in my current role, I think I told you, yeah, learning data and AI, but on my personal, you know, lives, I'm learning about how, you know, to run, you know, different, you know, real estate businesses, or I want to learn how to be a better dad. So I'm learning, I'm listening to different books on, you know, how to communicate effectively with um, children, you know, how do you maintain your composure? And like you said, understanding different learning challenges and um, setting them up, right? And also learning, you know, just, you know, how to operate 
the new platforms, right? Because I got to disseminate some of this um, content, right? I just had to learn TikTok. I have no idea. I'm realizing I'm finally getting to that older stage now uh, that, you know, I don't really, re- it don't resonate with me as much, you know? So, um, oh, come on. I'm sure you can bust out a great TikTok dance move. <laughs> I, I have no, I don't got no, I'm like two left feet, man. So if you're out there and you're an intern and you want to help me grow my TikTok page, let me know. Cause I need all the help I can get. Um, yep. so definitely give me a call, but, um, yeah, okay, definitely. Yeah. If there are any interns out there, definitely like slide you. There's a lot of fun things Sly. you've been talking about doing that. If somebody's looking to get that applied learning and real life skills, in, you know, almost like an internship. Uh, yeah. That's great that you're offering that out there. Yeah. And that's how I got started in tech, right? Yeah. When I graduated from the university of Buffalo, I couldn't find a job like 2011 still recession is still pretty bad. I took a six, a four, a four month, uh, no, three month, three month unpaid internship in Brooklyn. It was hard. I was trying to make things meet to get, you know, to work, walk in some days to make it there. Um, but I got to see everything I learned about in school. I got to deploy servers. I got to, um, you know, fix Blackberries, even though that don't yeah. matter now. Um, but networking, I, I saw Patch Panel for the first time in my life, right? I got to configure all of those things. I learned VMware and different rebuilding clusters and all those things, and it was for free. And that helped me get my job. And that, I still use some of that information today. So, you know, yeah. unpaid internships um, definitely can uh, help accelerate you. And one thing that I realized that I think was more valuable was the connections I made because I got four. LinkedIn recommendations from that. And I yeah. used that for my first job um, for when they asked for recommendations. I had four people that were pretty high up in the job I went to that vouched for me that helped me start accelerating my career. So, yeah, no, that's a great example. So one of the things that I, I strongly recommend, especially anyone who's going to study at college, um, don't leave there without an internship or a co-op. Yeah. You know, like, you know, for example, every resume I get, you know, you'll, you'll see that you have certain degrees on there and it's, you know, you need a way to differentiate yourself. And the internship gives you that, like you said, that experience, that applied learning, it gives you, it helps you build your network. Yeah. And also importantly, it allows you to understand what you like doing and what you don't like doing, which is actually far more important than understand what you like doing is like things you don't like doing, you know, like won't make you happy in the career path that you choose. So looking, definitely looking for internships to get that experience to help differentiate yourself does make a big difference. Agreed. And I'll just add one thing on that is joining clubs. Um, So when I, at the University of Buffalo, I I was like, um, I joined the American Marketing Association and we didn't have a website at the time. I'm like, yo, how are we the marketing come? Uh, the group and we don't got a website. Isn't that part of marketing? So I ended up just creating a marketing. I created the webpage and then yeah. increased like, uh, you know, um, I think enrolling by like 10 to 15 percent. Right. But, then uh, you know, that's a leadership role that was able to differentiate. I remember when I was in my first job, like the job I thought I was going to get at my internship afterwards to stay like I'm more excited about. I want to know about that VP of um, marketing role at the American Marketing Association at school. What did you do there? And then when I told him what I did, he was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Did you know how to design websites? I'm like, no, but Weebly just came out. You could drag and drop. It was horrible at that time, but um, I was able to make a website that was pretty, uh, you know, it, was, it worked, it did the job. Yeah. Um, and he like, you just taught that, taught yourself that? I'm like, yeah, I guess it's drag and drop. You just got to know a little bit of HTML, which I knew at the time. But I say that to say that, is I learn actionable skills because similar to you, I'm application. I've always been not the best student in terms of GPA, 
But applying knowledge for me is something I love to do. If I can't understand the the use case for it, then I'm not going to learn it because I know I'm going to forget it because I don't know how to utilize it. Right. Um, so that's kind of the you know something that's to put out there. So internships and mm-hmm. um, also don't take for granted those clubs because they are functioning businesses when you think about it and how you increase enrollment, how do you outreach, how do you so many things that you can build and create and make an impact for your fellow students, but it also help you in your career going forward. So Absolutely. on that same um, vein, let's talk about. You know, what advice would you have given yourself earlier in your career? Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's probably three things. And also, not just necessarily earlier in your career, I think there's people reflecting it, especially this past year, I mean, there's a lot of people reflecting on kind of like where they're at, where they want to go. Um, so there's probably three things I'd recommend, you know, that I would have liked to, you know, made sure my, my younger self knew and continue to knew, know throughout the course of uh, the different stages of my life. And I think first is the most important thing for me is, you know, I think it's really important that people create their own playbook. And the reason for that is I'm actually watching this unfold with my son who just went off to college and all his friends. And it's almost like they were handed a scripted playbook that they must, you know, take all these pre-exams to get into college. Then they must go to this certain type of college. And then they must go to try to get this certain type of job with this title. And you know, like, it's almost like it's like a prescribed playbook, a societal playbook that everyone shall follow. And one of the moments that made me very proud is one of my son's friends. He you know, went to school last year as a freshman in college, trying, going through the, the prescribed societal playbook, but realized that it really wasn't for him. He realized that he, he wanted to take a different path and he had the courage enough to do that and realized he wanted to write his own playbook and his parents were supportive of that. So that was something that to me, I was very proud of because I think it's important for people to you know, stop comparing themselves, um, stop focusing so much on their title um, and don't prejudge people who don't choose the societal playbook either. Let, you know, let them focus on what makes them happy and don't be afraid to rewrite your playbook. For me personally, my playbook has changed over my, my career based on both my career aspirations, but also in my personal life when I became a mom and my life priorities changed and I rewrote my playbook um, to accommodate where, where, what would make me happy at that time and continue to grow and thrive. This, um, the second recommendation that I would, would give is um, frequently do that 10, I call it the 10 finger test. All right, so you know, think of five things that you're really, really good at and five things that you're happy, that make, really make you happy, right? So think of five of each. And then when you put those together, that's really where you're gonna find your happiness. That's where you're gonna find your success. And at any stage when you're crafting that playbook, if there's a disconnect of what makes you happy and what you're good at, then you really need to take a moment to pause and say, okay, how's that fit into my playbook? What, what, what should I do? It might be a time for you to change, whether it be a career or other priorities in life. Um, the, the third thing that a lot of times you don't really take into consideration when you take your first job is culture, the company culture. And to me, that has become more important than ever. Um, I've realized how valuable it is to work at a company with a good, strong culture um, culture of caring, culture of community, culture of diversity, um, you know, culture of investing in their employees. You know, so for example, when I was at RSA, we were owned by Dell. 
and they had um, a lot of different diversity programs. And one of the programs that I actually was selected for was the Leading Women in Dell program, where they selected key women leaders across Dell and they um, brought, brought them together as a cohort, cohort and we went to Simmons University. And these were um, leaders across the company from all different countries. And it, that's just one of many examples of programs that they had there to invest in diversity and inclusion and encouraging um, growth and leadership skills throughout the company. And that's also when I look at transferring over to F5, I was super impressed with their, their culture as well and the conversations that I had and their, their focus in STEM education, investing in the community, tech for good, um, a, 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 an amazing um, leader like Francois, who if, I'd recommend if you guys haven't seen it, um, there's an event he helped sponsor and create called uh, Real Talk um, for Black leaders. And basically it was a conversation focused around Black leaders in tech. Um, I'd strongly recommend take a watch that. Actually, Chris Young's in that too. So two, two of my favorite uh, inspirational leaders are in that, in that conversation. But that's the culture there. And so when you're looking to work for a company, it's one thing getting a paycheck and being miserable. It's another thing going to a company that feels like a family. That was great. That was uh, definitely tweetable right there. Um, those three. So let's talk. Let's take this pill. This onion back. You talked about creating your playbook and I can't um, stress that like, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. This life is your life. I look at it as it's your movie and yeah. think about a movie you don't like to, to watch. You turn it off. You change the channel. Same thing for yeah. your life. So make it your own. You're a director. You got to hire your cast and you got to narrate that move into what you want to do. So same thing for me, like, you know, school, my, my, my older brother was a math major and economics major. So I'm like, All right, I might try to do that. Um, did not, did not fit with me at all, you know? So I realized that this was not my cup of tea, right? So I had to invest in myself. I realized I was an English major. Um, I kind of liked that. I like writing a little bit, you know, I wasn't the best at it, but I thought I could get better. Um, but then I realized I didn't love that, but I love, you know, selling. I love marketing and I love tech. So then I had to combine them two together. I still remember. You're great uh, at all those together. Yeah, you know, and it was great. Like I seen the need for it. I remember one of the academic advisors at the University of Buffalo told me that wasn't a good idea. Um, it was going to make you um, have to stay an extra year. I'm like, so be it. I have to stay an extra year. I get two. I get my business administration degree and two minors. Um, and that was the best thing I ever did. But I made it my own path. And that's like my role. Like even when I came to work at RSA, it was a technical product marketing manager, sales and tech. Even my role as partner strategist, sales, tech and marketing. This podcast is marketing and tech, you know? So it's like everything that I'm doing uh, works for me, but you're right. If it doesn't match up, I took a role startup, you know, it was all writing. Um, that wasn't for me, right? It wasn't enough creating. I realized that wasn't the job that I needed to do. So I pivoted and then you get to learn those skills. So, you know, understand that internal compass, like what, what makes you unique and what makes you yourself. And that 10 finger test is something that's really cool. I never thought about it that way, but that's kind of how I figure out where I needed to go next and what I need to do going forward. And does it align to that internal core? And then the last one that you talked about, um, what was that culture. last one? The yeah. culture. The culture, culture matters. Is, yeah. That matters. I love Microsoft, right? One thing I love about it is the first thing is I'm a part of Blacks at Microsoft, BAM. 
Um, they even have something on like mental health that a lot of companies yeah. overlook. Um, they yeah. talk about it. Their coin is learn it all. So to me, I like always be learning. Yeah, no, Ann Johnson over at Microsoft is a huge advocate for that, who's also somebody I worked with at RSA, just a very insp- inspirational leader and uh, advocate for that. Yeah. Yeah. So like those things matter, right? You know, so find out, uh, make sure that align that, that, that compass, right? So those things move in line with you, because if you don't, you don't get stressed out. You're not going to mm-hmm. like going to work. And since we spend so much time here, you got to try to find something you love, you're worth it. It might take some time to figure out doing the doing the work to really learn who you are at the core. But um, I know I definitely know it, it was helpful for me and it, it should be helpful for you as well. Yeah. Um, so one thing I like to, this, I think it ties directly into it. So what is your passion? I think you kind of disclose a little bit of it. And what projects are you working on that continues to keep you uh, motivated um, within the industry? Yeah, within the industry, I'm, I'm still actively engaged with a lot of the community associations, looking for ways to simplify the way that we're authenticating across our different applications. And at the end of the day, I'm looking for ways to simplify security for all um, is my passion. Um, you know, keep, keep our world our, our safe, um, but also look for ways to simplify it and through different engagement with different communities. Um, so that's from a work perspective, you know, out, you know, like a, keeping engaged with the industry um, and advocating for that change, advocating for simple ways um, and aligning with um, the different regs that are going developing worldwide. I think that's something that I'm pretty passionate about trying to understand that, how that's forming and um, how that also will shape um, in, ensuring that we have the strong security and privacy for all. That's awesome. That's great. That's, that's great. And um, one thing that adds on is this month, is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. That's right. How does that kind of tie in? I know you have some cool things you're working on that you wanted to share with everyone. Yeah, it's Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And you know, it's interesting, it's only just a month um, that they talk about. It's actually all year long in my mind because yeah. you no know, sooner does October end, we go into like, November and it's a holiday shopping season. So that's really another extended Cybersecurity Awareness Month with uh, all the possibilities of cybercrime that happen there. But within um, Cybersecurity Awareness Month, there's really, um, you know, throughout each week within the month, there's themes that um, the National Cybersecurity Awareness Month plan is structured around. And one is around understanding, you know, the threats that are targeting you, phishing attacks. Um, As we talked about briefly, you know, it's really important to have awareness of the different types of attack. We've seen so much ransomware occur this year throughout throughout the pandemic, actually, um, people are getting manipulated psycholo- psychologically to um, be targeted with those phishing attacks, ultimately to take over your device, you know, steal your credentials, log into your accounts, take over your accounts. Um, there's a lot of information that needs to be continued to share in the marketplace and awareness of the different types of phishing attacks. A lot of cybersecurity organizations are doing a really good job trying to get the education awareness out there. And the educational awareness is really a multi-generational type of conversation ranging from the, our youth, um, particularly with a lot more students being handing tablets at school and really understanding the digital responsibility and the digital footprints that they're creating that make them a bigger target all the way up to seniors. Um, during during the pandemic, for example, I, I got my dad his first tablet. He, you know, now he's like a hardcore Amazon guy who uh, you know keeps on buying things all the time. So you know, there's a lot more uh, seniors that are being targeted as well. So it's a lot of education and awareness 
across the different generations that are very important. And one of the, the nice things that I'm seeing in um, at least through the K through 12 is the digital natives are understanding security a bit better because of the fact that they are being taught of it as part of their life versus um, not just versus it like just being a specific class. They're learning on it real time because of all the crime that's been happening. And so now I hear and hear my younger son talking with his friends of like the different breaches that have, have happened because it's so mainstream and aware. So that, for me, that's uh, encouraging because they're talking about it very mainstream. So they have much better awareness on it where in the past that was never the case. But one of the other aspects of Cybersecurity Awareness Month is around driving and improving the cybersecurity workforce. And I think it's interesting where um, a lot of people get intimidated about moving into a cybersecurity career path where they shouldn't. There's just so many different types of roles within the industry, and there's so many opportunities to use that transferable skills into this industry. Um, so I think you know this is a great time to explore and think about where would where could you apply transfer your skills into the cybersecurity industry during this month and explore those conversations. That's awesome. Is it is there anywhere they can go? the audience to learn more about Cybersecurity Awareness Month? Yeah, there's um, the Stay Safe Online has a whole variety of different resources that they can go to that will talk about each each of the different monthly uh, uh, months, weekly themes, as well as ongoing resources that they can use um, in their personal lives, professional lives, as well as um, if they want to share with their kids to help better educate their kids. If they, uh, one of the things, for example, um, when my, my son was in Scouts, there was a communication badge and it was actually a crypto badge. And so, you know, to teach, help, you know, educate uh, youth around uh, understanding crypto in a simple way, we created a cypher wheel. So there's fun ways to um, educate uh, around cybersecurity um, in toolkits and playbooks and coloring books that are in there too for different generations. Cool. That's great. Thank you. And that kind of, directly goes into the next question. What are some of your favorite books and podcasts? Because I know you love learning. So I know you're yeah. listening to something or reading something at this moment. So what what would it be? Yeah, so I, I have a couple books that I uh, really enjoyed. I'm going to give you an oldie but goodie. Um, that this was one of my one of my favorite books that I read many moons ago and everyone's I'll pick it up, dust it off. Um, it's called Consilence, The Unity of Knowledge. And it was written by Edward O. Wilson. So he's also known as the Harvard Ant-Man. Um, so this book was written over 20 years ago. So it's an oldie but goodie type of book because the premise behind it is that things improve when you combine different disciplines. So you would combine um, cultural di di uh, disciplines, science di di uh, disciplines, technology disciplines, uh, biological disciplines, and you combine that knowledge together that allow you to think about things differently and solve different problems. Okay. And it helps improve uh, innovation um, and effectiveness. So when I looked at that, I read that, and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And when I started working in the cybersecurity space, I actually uh, I delivered a presentation called Cybersecurity Consilence, riffing off of that book because of the fact that um, but this is about 10 years ago when I did that, where I started seeing exactly what you said in that book, where when you're combining technology, 
and um, cross disciplines together, it's solving new problems. So in, for example, this is where you started seeing biometrics being used as a security measure versus just a health measure, right? Where you're having eye, voice, et cetera, as a, a security authentication measure, uh, biometrics, heart, et cetera. That, that's, you know, you started seeing those disciplines come together. Um, and so that was a pretty interesting book. I'd recommend it. It really is thought provoking. The other book that I read that was kind of fun is um, Brief Answers to Big Questions by Stephen Hawkins. So of course, anything by Hawkins is pretty amazing. So he started writing this book before, unfortunately he didn't get to finish it um, before he passed away, but it's really interesting because uh, he focuses on four different areas of kind of, um, why are we here? You know, like, so that's very deep. Uh, you know, will we survive? Will technology um, save us or, or destroy us? And then the fourth is um, how can we get there? So there's like four different things that has topics and questions that are throughout that. And it really gets you thinking about uh, a lot of different aspects of uh, different dynamics of socioeconomic, technology, the meaning of life, it's very deep. But it's a fun, interesting book um, to read, nevertheless. That's great. Those are some great books. I'm going to check some of them out because I haven't listened to any of them. A couple of books yeah. I'm listening to now is one called It Takes What It Takes. And that talks about neutral mind, um, your neutral mindset. So not positivity or negative mindset. You know, they say, you know, negative mindset is never good. You know, that little voice in your head, if you, yeah. you know, go to it. Like it's different back there. Yeah. <laughs> and if you go you know, too positive all the time, it makes you miss things because it's not realistic sometimes. So the way they talk about in the book is, you know, when you attack a situation, you can have something bad happen to you. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I might not do well on a presentation, you know, knock on wood, right? Um, But it doesn't mean the next presentation is going to be bad, clean slate. How do I be better at this time? Or even something simple as right now, uh, what do I need to do right at this moment? Just pay attention to you, Mm -hmm. give the most to our audience and whatever I got to do after, it doesn't matter. Or before, I just need to be neutral and figure out what's going on now. So that's a good book. Another book I'm listening to now, I just, I finished that book, is Chatter. And it's talking about the internal um, person inside of you. How do you handle it? How do you make Mm -hmm. sure that it's nurturing and it makes you go forward? And it talks about different studies that happened and took place so you can handle that. Because I'm realizing the better that I can maintain my internal emotions and how I act in situations Mm -hmm. is something that I realized that's been um, a game changer for my personality. Cause sometimes, you know, I used to think about all the things I used to, you know, where I grew up at, uh, some of the resources we didn't have and how hard it took me to get here. And I'm like, well, that don't really matter right now. Right now I'm here. So here. what do I need to do to stay here? Yep. And what have I done to get here? And, you know, so I had to clean up that, you know, that negative chatter inside your mind. So those are things that, you know, I actively do. And another one that I haven't, I haven't read um, in a while, but it was good. The Man's Search for Meaning. That book was so deep for me. Uh, that helped me, um, you know, be a little bit more grateful, be more in the present, to find even in the worst information that or the worst situation I'd be put in, what's the absolute positive thing I could think about to make me go through it, right? How can I capture the now? Um, so that's another good book. So I just figured out I shared those three books as well. Yeah, those sound great. Sound really interesting. And it's so relevant too, because especially right now, there's just, you know, so much negativity and noise and it can it can you know it's important to you know keep that mind and keep neutral and keep in the moment um yeah that was a great book i'll have to go back and check those one out 
Yeah, those are cool. So, um, and then last but not least, I'm I'm almost done. I got my book coming out called Daddy's Little Girls Stories of the First Time Dad. So I'll be printing up that pre-link out there soon. Um, so y'all gonna love it. It's gonna be my first book. That was one of my big goals, just to publish a book. But this book is all about just the feelings that I was having, the stories that I share. Mm-hmm. You know, some of it is creative, some of it is actual stuff, you know, making fun of changing my first diaper or the, you know, the thoughts before I had my daughter, mm-hmm. before I knew she was a girl. And if she was a boy or a girl, what would I do? How would we have fun? Um, and then some deep stuff, you know. So it's gonna be a really good short, mm-hmm. like 20 stories. Um, it's going to be a quick read. It's going to be fun. So that's my shameless plug out there. Yeah. Before, what, what did you say that was coming out? That is, I don't got a date yet. It should be out and before, I'm trying to shoot before Christmas. Oh, um, you definitely should. I think that would be a yeah. great a holiday gift. But also, for, I'm, I'm actually getting ready to go to a baby shower. I think that would be an awesome baby shower gift because a lot of baby showers now have bring a, bring you a favorite book or bring a book as part of the baby shower, like raffle and different things like that. And instead of giving a card, you give a book and you write something nice within the book. That's awesome. um, Right on the cover. So that's like, that's like a big thing with baby showers now. So if anyone's going to a baby shower, this sounds like a perfect book for you to bring. Yep. So I'll have that out. Once I update this link on here, once I get the pre-order link out to get those out and ready to go. So everything is done. The cover work, I wrote it, editing, just working on it, getting formatted. And then getting it out there. So, so you know, the, the pains of going through the first time around, um, you know, I already know it's not as fluid, but it'll be out soon. So you, before I oh, go ahead, you had something else to say. I was just going to say you showed me the preview of the cover and it was precious. Yeah. So, you know, I had to make it touching. Uh, I think everyone's going to love it. Um, so we'll see. You know, so Angel, I could talk to you all day. Um, it's fantastic. It's a breath of fresh air to talk to you. Before so great to I catch let, up. Yeah, it's excellent. You know, I'm going to be honest with everyone. She is one of my top five, maybe top one manager I ever had in my life. You know what I'm saying? So oh, very yeah. game changer. Um, helped me see things about myself I didn't know at the time. Um, and she helped me, you know, try something new, right? And um, have to learn and then trust myself. So I definitely appreciate you for that. So how can the con- my, my, my audience contact you? Sure. There's a couple different ways. You feel free to reach out with me. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm easily accessible and that. I'll respond to that. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. It's Angels Grant at Twitter. So you, you can follow me on that. Um, and those are probably the best two ways to reach out or follow me. Fantastic. So until next time, Sly Gittins and Angel Grant are out. Peace.